Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But the title today is, What Kind of Dirt Are You? What kind of dirt are you? And I'm going to, I love this picture so much that I'm going to send it to everybody so you can use it as a screensaver. I think it's, it's like an awesome picture. And wait till you see it on the, it's even more clear on the uh, computer screen there. But I'm going to, so you'll be getting this email. Put it on your screensaver. And every day remember as you look at your computer, what kind of dirt am I? And we're going to be going through this as we go. So thank you to Lori for sending me that. Jesus and I have something in common. Really just one thing. Uh, we both tell farm stories, as you know. Now, you here at New Hope Community Church, you like the farm stories because they're so unusual. You know, it's unusual. But Jesus told them because everybody could relate to them because everybody was living on farms and could look around and see everything he talked about. They could really relate to it. And he told the story of the sower and the soil. The sower and the soil. And we saw that Jesus is the sower and God's word is the seed. And we also looked at, we started talking about the four different kinds of soil, which really are a picture of us. Each one of us represents one of these different types of soil that we're going to be talking about. We are all just dirt, right? At creation, we were dirt, and we're still dirt. The only question is, are we good or bad dirt? And the first type of soil we saw last time was seed along the path. And what did the seed along the path represent? Do you remember? The, yeah, that's right, the hard heart. The seed along the path was the hard heart, Okay. And when we have a hard heart, Satan comes along, the birds, Satan comes along and steals what God's word is trying to do in our life. And we talked about, our, have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you taken that step of faith of giving your life to Jesus Christ? And, or is our heart hard? Have we taken that step? I want to encourage you to get the CD or listen to the podcast if you weren't here for that one because they all build on each other. These four sermons are going to build each of the different soils, are going to build on each other. And even as Christians, we still have to guard ourselves to getting hard hearts. Even after we put our faith in Christ and give our life to him, we can still get a hard heart. We talked about that last week in the spiritual battle that's constantly going on in our hearts that, that, that Satan is waging against us spiritually. If he can't keep us from being saved, he tries to keep us from growing spiritually. And we talked about that. Once again, get the CD, get the podcast, listen to those. But now Jesus shifts into three other types of dirt today. In these types, the first type was someone who has never put their faith in Christ yet. This, the ground was hard. But the three that we're going to look at next, we're going to do the one today and the next couple, in the next few weeks, are probably people that are already Christians now. They have put their faith in Christ. But the question is, are we going to be fruitful? Are we going to be fruitful in our faith? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. And we thank you for all the folks that help set up and, and teaching kids and all the different ministries going on today. Lord, for those of us who are sitting here or maybe listening to this in their car sometime, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and touch our hearts and help us to be fruitful, help us to be productive, help us to grow in our faith because we don't want to just be saved and go to heaven someday, which is awesome, but we want to be growing here. We want to be growing close to you. We want to be more like Jesus Christ all the time. We pray for your mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the passage again in Mark chapter 4. We'll start with verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? 
How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution becomes, comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Now once again we talked about the first one, which was the hard hearts, and we're going to do the second one today. And once again, if you can, even if you're going to miss different Sundays, listen to all four in, in order if possible, because they all build on each other. You'll see what I'm talking about. There's a lot here in this little parable. The first one, though, the second one that we're going to look at now for today is chapter, verses 16 and 17. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution becomes, comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And this is the rocky hearts. Now, this isn't like the hard path. The hard path didn't receive it. The rocky soil, the, the rocky heart, is soft on top. There's actually some dirt there. There's some soft dirt. And the, but the problem is the rocks down below. It's the rocks underneath the dirt that is the issue here. It's faith, but it's shallow faith. It's a shallow faith. In fact, in the parallel passage in Luke chapter 8, verse 13, in Luke 8, 13, it says this, a parallel passage. It says, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, catch that. They receive and believe. And what's necessary for becoming a Christian? Receiving and believing, right? We receive Christ as our Savior. We believe he died on the cross for our sins. These people are Christians, and they're excited. Look, at they have joy. They're excited, right, about their faith. But it doesn't last. Jesus says, I'm using the two different verses together, when times of trouble or persecution or testing come, they disappear. They fall away. They quickly fall away. When that crisis hits, when that peer pressure comes, when the temptation comes, these people disappear. They just disappear. I remember once playing, uh, one of the times playing hide-and-seek on the farm, and we went over to a neighbor's barn, and all the kids, our favorite place for play, playing hide-and-seek was a neighbor's barn because it was one of these really old barns that you see, like, on, on TV shows, huge hayloft up top, ladders, all kinds of secret doors and secret passages. It was one of these really old barns, and all the neighbor kids, all the farm kids, we all get together, we play farm, uh, we play hide-and-seek in, in this barn across the road, this neighbor's barn. And I remember we were playing one time, we were having a great time, we are running, we are laughing, it was really hide-and-seek tag, you could find the person, we had to catch them too, and, and we were, I remember I was running up the steps, and my friend Artie, Artie was running up in front of me, and Chucky, Artie, you know, so uh, Art, Chuck, so we were running up the steps, and, and, and I'm following him up the steps, and as soon as he got to the top of the steps, he disappeared. I'm like, oh, wow, he's got a great hiding place, where, where did he go? And I get to the top, and what had happened was, there was a trap door at the top of the steps, and 
the farmers built it this way because they had all this loose hay up in these old barns and they would throw the loose hay down through the trap door and then you'd spread it out to the cows. And some of you have seen these kind of barns before. And usually it was closed, but we were playing this game and one of the other kids was looking for the person chasing, so they opened the trap door to look for them and forgot to shut the door. So when Artie comes running up and I'm right behind him, he disappears. He fell right down the trap door and just totally disappeared. And not only did he fall, but there was cinder blocks right underneath there. And I looked down, and I thought he was dead. But he started to moan. He's like, oh, he fell right on his back on these cinder blocks. He's like, oh, oh, and the whole game stops, right? The whole game stops. And we were really scared, but he moaned for a little bit of a while, and he got back up again, and he got back into the game. Farm kids are very tough. You have to be tough to live on a farm. If you survive, you're tough, right? And uh, we were all relieved because we didn't want to have to tell our parents what happened because then we wouldn't be able to play there anymore. I don't know how he explained the bruises or whatever he ended up having, but, but we got to keep playing in that barn. But it was scary. He just, we're having a great time, disappears. And I see this happen so many times in the church. People become Christian, they put their faith in Jesus Christ, they give their life, they might even get baptized, they get, start taking positive steps forward, everything's going great, and all of a sudden, gone. I can't find them. I'm trying to track them down. They don't answer the phone, they don't answer my email, the text, and I finally find them, I track them down, and they are in a lot of pain. A lot of pain. They disappear. Spiritually. Just like Jesus is, they quickly fall away. They're in joy, but all of a sudden quickly fall away. Our church could be double the size right now. We could be full. You know that? All the folks that were excited at one time, but over time, different people fall. We, and, I'm, and every church in America could be that way. People fall away. Jesus warns about it. It's important to look at the cause of this shallow faith. A faith that never reaches maturity. What is the cause? Because it's potential in all of us. This is why. Every one of us has the potential to be that person, that RD who disappears. We all do. Everyone here. Me included. <laughs> you're, you're all like, where's Pastor Chuck? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Yeah, I was waiting for the video. But, but it could happen to me. It could happen to any of us, seriously. The reason is the rocks. The rocks hinder growth. I remember the first house we ever bought, it was over in Plumstead there, and we bought the house, and, and it was great. We had our first house ever, only six kids at the time, and we were all excited, and the, um, the, the, the grass that they put in, it was this beautiful lawn came up like overnight. We were so excited. We got a house. We got this beautiful lawn, but a crazy thing is that lawn, like two weeks later, was gone, like died. Completely gone. And we got to the bottom of it. Turns out that the developer, like any smart developer does, I guess now, is they stripped the topsoil off the whole development, sold the soil, then they built houses there. And they put a little bit of soil back on top, but just enough to get this grass that would die. They put in this special bogus grass, grows up, looks great, and then they know it's going to die, but you, you got the house already, right? So, um, and, and so many churches are like that, right? So many ministries, I've been part of some of them. Fast growth, glitz, looks great, you know, everything looks super. But if you dig a little bit, you see that it's very, very shallow, and people are dropping like flies. They call it the revolving door, you know, just disappearing. Because the churches 
and people aren't persecution-proof. Jesus talks about being persecution-proof. Being able to handle the crisis, being able to handle the temptation, being able to handle the peer pressure. That's what he's talking about. I love to walk in the woods. I lo love to get up and go walk and do my praying out in the woods and look for rocks and fossils. But anyway, uh, so, so I love to do that. And it's, whenever there's a, a big storm, though, it's amazing the trees that come down in the woods. I mean, gigantic trees that just tip over. And I kind of like it because I go look in the roots to see what kind of fossils are falling out of the roots. But anyway, but anyway that's another aside. But, I, but the, the huge rocks. But what happened? Underneath these giant trees, there's no dirt. It's just rocks and rocks and rocks and even a rock bed there. And this tree grew, no roots, just grew as far as it could, but it couldn't really put down deep roots. And a storm comes along, the storms of life come along, and poof, the rock, this huge tree just goes over. It's done. And that's the same picture here. We have to be persecution-proof. We have to handle the crises, the temptations, the peer pressures. We have to be persecution-proof and crisis-proof. And in order to do that, we must remove the rocks that keep us from growing. This is very important. It's hard work. When, when we got this lawn finally going in our first house, and even now, the house we're in now, we'd, there'd be this beautiful green lawn, and all of a sudden there'd be a dead spot or a brown spot. And you know why? There was a rock there. And I remember having to go out and dig it up and pull it out and put some good dirt there and, and put some more seed down, and that would grow green again. But if you didn't, you'd have dead spots there because the dead spots showed where the rocks were. That's hard work. You know, I grew up on a farm. On the farm, uh, I grew up on, there was piles of rocks around all the fields. I mean, like, my, in the woods and in the hedgerows, just there's like walls and piles, huge piles of rocks everywhere because it took years to clear those fields. The farm was bought in 1835 from the Holland Land Company. First uh, non-Native American to own the land was my great-great-great-great-grandpa. And, uh, and there was, there was they, when they got there, they had to remove rocks. And I can't even imagine the rocks they had to remove. It took years. It started in 1835, and they're still doing it. Still, I remember as a kid, my dad would say, okay, we're gonna, this field's looking kind of rocky. He'd put us all out in a wagon. We'd drive through, and we'd throw the rocks into the wagon. And at the end, we'd take them over the woods and throw them off or we'd have a tractor bucket we'd throw them in the tractor bucket and he'd take it and dump them into the, the rock piles because even, even now when I go on walks with the kids we're walking along and uh, I still find rocks and I see oh I don't want my dad to have to get off the tractor for that one I'll pick it up and walk it over and throw it in the creek you know because there's rocks it's a constant thing Our, by the way Artie on his farm they found a cannonball uh, they went to get off the tractor to get a rock, and there was a cannonball. So it was Niagara County, lots of battles and all kinds of things that happened there. But uh, I never found a cannonball. But anyway, the, and, and when we're digging up these rocks, dealing with these rocks, we dug up some pretty big rocks on that farm. In fact, my dad, instead of putting them in the woods, he started to bring them up to the house. He'd put them in the tractor bucket, or he'd put him in a wagon, and he'd bring up to the house because he just wanted to you know, make kind of like a rock garden. And you should see our house. There's these rocks that are like, Big, you know, Jean Seal be in heaven at our place, right? And because uh, she, she likes collecting rocks, Liam and Liam likes collecting them. She likes to work with them. But that's a sore subject. Anyway, the um, the these huge rocks, and my dad started putting them around the driveway, and that, so and they're all along the house, and they kind of ring our house. These big giant rocks. You, how did they get them up there? Farm tractors, right? It, huge rocks, but they're all displayed all around. These these giant rocks are everywhere at our at our house. 
And it's the same thing for us spiritually. The same thing. It's hard work. And it's a lifelong battle. We don't just dig up one rock and say, okay, that's it. No, it's a lifelong battle. We might think we're perfect. Some of you might think, well, I'm doing pretty well. No, there's another rock, you know. It, it's a lifelong battle. But it's all about progress. It's pro- it's, there's progress. And we should take these big stones and Put them where we can display them as a display of God's grace. There is a reminder that God helped me overcome this or overcome that reminders and mementos, not of sin, but, but God delivering us and, and the victory and the freedom that he's given us. It's important to celebrate those victories and to, and to remember that. But there's one field where the rock won on the farm. My dad was out plowing and he hit a really big rock, a really big rock. And he started, went back with the tractor bucket and started digging around it, and it got bigger. And he said, come on out, guys. And we all went out there with our picks and shovels and, and chains and tractors, and we were working. And the more we dug, the bigger the rock got. You know, you ever have that happen? The bigger it got. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. And pretty soon we realized we are not getting this rock out of this field. Because apparently the whole field is on top of a rock, you know? And we dug and dug, and, and finally we had this rock sitting there. My, my mom or dad, I think it was my mom, went down and she spray painted on it. And you think you've got problems, you know, something like you, you, And you think you've got troubles. I remember it was there for a long time. Everybody would drive by and laugh, see this giant rock out in the field, and they got the point. You know, we all have got to deal with this stuff, right? And many times, though, my dad finally gave up. He finally gave up, which is rare for a farmer. And he lived with that rock. It's still in the field to this day. It always will be. But many times we do the same thing, don't we, spiritually? We start dealing with a stronghold in our life, a struggle in our life, that rock in our life. And we give up on that spiritual struggle, and we live with that stronghold. Probably every one of us can think of something that we've lived with or are living with. Now, we could have gotten rid of that rock in the field. My dad had done it before. We could have gotten rid of it. When he was in high school, I think he was like a junior or senior in high school, he was in an ag class, agriculture class. And I don't know if anybody here, I don't even know if schools have ag classes, but where I grew up, there was an ag class and half the school was in it. I didn't go to it because my dad already told me you will never be a farmer. So anyway, I didn't go to ag class. Uh, you, you are not going to stay on the farm with me. You know? So uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, the... He was an ag, and the teacher uh, was going to teach them something as part of the ag class, how to get rid of big rocks, how to clear the field. And at that time, it was right after World War II, and there was a lot of TNT sitting around, a lot of dynamite sitting around, right? And they had it in this special building, and, and he, this teacher had access to it. And so he said, okay, we're going to go out and, uh, we're gonna go out and clear a field with the TNT. Times have changed, haven't they? Could you imagine? Uh, Mom, uh, teacher, uh, can you sign this permission slip? We're going to go out and blow some stuff up with dynamite, you know, at class. Can you imagine that new parents? Oh, yeah, you know, how many parents would allow that? Just one. But anyway, the, uh, so he, the teacher says, does anybody have a big rock in the field or a field with some big rocks? And my dad says, oh, yeah, come to my farm. I, there's some big ones. My dad would love you to get rid of some of these big rocks. He says, okay, we'll do it. So uh, they, they planned the class trip. The whole class went out to my dad's farm, and the guy got, brought along his TNT. <laughs> I don't know how. Did he bring it on the bus? I don't know. But he brought the TNT, and they get there, and he shows the class. They all gather around this one of the rocks, not the big one that 
we couldn't get rid of, but one in another field. And he dug around it, and he showed him how to put the TNT, and he connected the fuse and all that. And he's doing it, and he's teaching the class, and he's talking to kids, and he gets distracted. And my dad and his friend were sitting there, and he said, that's not nearly enough TNT for this rock. I, I think he's going to need more. And while the guy wasn't looking, he started throwing more into the, the hole there, throwing TNT in. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, so, he moves the class back a safe distance. He says, okay, this is how far you should move back for this amount of TNT. And, and he gets ready to set the fuse. And meanwhile, my dad and his friend are running, 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 because they know what's coming. And he's, my dad said, they just dove into the creek bed at the edge of the field, and it felt like an earthquake hit. It, the ground just heaved. And, and he said, there's rocks flying everywhere. Big, little, all kinds of rocks flying everywhere. This was crazy. And it was crazy. And it, no one was killed, so that's why I'm telling the story, right? Um, and the teacher was in shock. He said, the teacher was shocked. He just kept shell shock. Just, uh, I don't understand what happened. It, I'd never, this has never happened before. He kept saying this as he's picking rock fragments out of his hair, you know? And, and, but, but you know what? The rock was gone. That rock was gone. Why? Because the dynamite destroyed the rock. And we have that same power spiritually. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the power of God. And the word for that word in power in Greek is dunami, which is where we get the word dynamite from. Right? We get the, that's where we get it from. The gospel and God's word are powerful weapons. There are tools that are given to each Christian. The, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you say, God, I put my faith in you. I ask you to forgive my sin. I put my faith in Jesus, and I give my life to him. The moment you do that, you receive this power. We are given the, the tools and the weapons, and we are expected to clear the ground. We're expected to do it. In fact, last time we talked about this, I want to re- revisit it. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. We are expected to do this. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We have that power. Are we going to live with a stronghold or not? It's our choice. We have that power. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you say, God, I ask you to forgive my sins, I put my faith in Jesus, his death, his resurrection, I give my life to him, the moment you do that, you are given salvation, We are given eternal life, we are given a brand new life, and we are given the Holy Spirit. God's actual Spirit lives inside of us. We're given His Holy Spirit and all the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are not given all this so that we can retire. There is no retirement plan in the Christian life. There's no downtime. We are given this so that we can fight a battle. We are expected to battle by God's grace, and we are expected to grow strong in our faith through what God has given us. Numbers 33 is a, a picture. It's a, a, a picture of our spiritual battle. Now, this is Israel taking the land. In Numbers 33, 
Israel is taking the land. God's given them the promised land, but then they've got to fight now. But this is a picture, a physical picture. Why is that in the Bible? Because it's a physical picture of our spiritual battle. The same way they had to take a physical land, we are called to take a spiritual land. A spiritual land. Just like they had to fight a physical battle, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And it's a picture of this. And look what it says here in verse 51. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into Canaan, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I have given you the land to possess. He's given them this land. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. Given us the land, given us salvation, and then he expects them to fight for every inch of it. What kind of gift is that? Right? It's like giving somebody a puppy, right? <laughs> got to do a lot of work. Well, God's given us salvation, and we got to do a lot of work. It's a gift. We can't earn our way into heaven. We can't earn our way to God's favor. We can only receive the gift. But then once we do, there's a battle. We have to fight for every inch. We have to look at the three Ds. Drive out, destroy, and demolish. Does that sound familiar? Demolish? Second Corinthians down there? Sound familiar? The strongholds. That's what we have to do. Whether it's people, places, or things. We've got to deal with these things God's way. And there's a warning. He gives them a warning. And it's a warning not just for them, but for us. What happens if we don't? Verse 55 says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. If we don't remove the rocks, they will haunt us. They will haunt us. They will hinder our spiritual growth. Those rocks will become kryptonite. Because once we become Christians, we're like Superman. We've got God inside of us. But something can stop us. It's the rock. It's the kryptonite. And every one of us has kryptonite, don't we? Something that is our weakness, that we've got to stay away from, that we've got to remove, we've got to get rid of that. Are we, how about us, are we doing the hard work? Are we removing the spiritual rocks, the strongholds that keep us from growing? Are we doing that? And it never ends, does it? We get discouraged, we get tired, we get lazy, whatever it is, but, but it never ends. And there's some pretty big ones in our lives, aren't there? Everyone, we have some pretty big ones. But after every victory, after, after every victory, after God helps us display, the, we're to display the God's grace by sharing our testimonies, by sharing our stories, by sharing the stories of God's grace, by some reminder of, of, of God's grace. Have we given up on something? Maybe here today and you've given up on a rock, just like that big rock in the field. This rock is just too big, big for me. I, I'll never get rid of this rock. You ever feel that way? I'm ready to quit. I'm just going to coexist with this stronghold in my life, and someday God is going to have to have to face him with this rock, carrying this rock, right? Listen, whatever you're facing. This rock may be too big for us, but it's not too big for God's power. It's not too big for his mercy and grace. And the battle's not over till we quit. It's not over till we give up. 
as long as we keep fighting, as long as we keep chipping away at it, that's God's grace. That's what his grace is. Don't, we can't give up and, and, and give up on it. It's because God's power is there. But first we need to expose it. Just like my dad found this big rock in the field. We need to expose it first. Hey, here's a rock. God, I need you to help me with this. And then we need to get some help digging it out. We need to get some help digging it out. Just like my dad called us down to the field, you got to get some help. It might be another Christian that you know. It might be a, a Christian counselor. i got lots of good Christian counselors to refer you to. It might be, talk to me, talk to Kim. You know, Kim is great at helping people dig out rocks and deal with the strongholds. And, and there, we have some super books, Search for Significance, Victory Over Darkness. What, whatever it takes will help you to dig and to get to it. And then we have to use the dynamite. Then we use the dynamite. Romans... Uh, Romans 1.16, the power. We use the gospel and God's word. 2 Corinthians 10.3-5, we demolish strongholds. And we take... Could you go back to 2 Corinthians 10.3-5? We demolish strongholds. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ Jesus. It's constant. Battling and fighting and not giving up. Because the power, we have the power... We have the Holy Spirit's power. We have God's word. We have the gospel dynamite. We have that power if we don't give up and we get help digging it out and we deal with it. Are we doing this? Are you doing this? Maybe before you do this, you have to take the first step. The first step is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. The first step is asking Jesus Christ to come and live inside of us and receiving his Holy Spirit and the power that comes with it. It's the first step is Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. That's the first step. And, and, and that's when we get our dynamite. You want dynamite? We can have dynamite. We can have spiritual dynamite to deal with any struggle, any situation. It's, it's a battle, it's a war, but we have the, the weapon to fight that battle with. We have God's mercy and grace to fight it with. How do we get the Holy Spirit within us? Romans 10, 9, and 10. From Romans 1, 16, we jump to Romans 10, 9, and 10, where it says that if you, let me turn to it myself, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Have you ever received God's power? Have you ever received his forgiveness? Have you ever taken that step of faith? Let's pray. Maybe here today, and you are trying to fight this battle totally on your own. Trying to do good, trying to change, trying to be the person you know we should be, but you're trying to do it on your own. And you realize today that it won't happen. In the end, you're not going to make anybody happy, especially God, because there's only one way to please God, and that's through faith putting your faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Right where you're sitting today, you can have the Holy Spirit's power in your heart, in your life. You can have forgiveness through faith. It's the first step to this battle. It's the first step to growing. 
You may be ready to do that right now, to take that step of faith. Just pray and do it. There's no magic ritual. You don't need a, a religious person to help you. This is between you and God. And it all comes down to a prayer of faith. Just say something like, God, I don't want the sin anymore in my life. I repent of that. I turn away from that. Whatever has separated me from you, God, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. His death, his resurrection for me. I put my faith in him. And now I'm going to follow Jesus. I give you my life, God. I'm going to follow. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you may not fully realize it, but you will. You're a different person. God's Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And you've just had a whole truckload of dynamite unloaded. <laughs> Your life will never be the same. Let somebody know, whether you came with a friend or family member, tell me on the way out, fill out the card, stick it in the box. Text me, email me, call me. Let somebody know so that we could be excited for you and encourage you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What is he convicting us of? What rock has been exposed that we need to, maybe we've even given up, but today is, God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on fighting. I'm going to get help digging this out. I'm going to talk to whoever I need to talk to. I'm going to learn how to use the word and the power of your word to become a different person. I don't care what my flesh says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the devil says. I'm going to do what your word says because I believe by faith that that's what is best. That's where I'm going to find real joy, real happiness, real fulfillment, real purpose. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to follow that. Father, I pray that someday in eternity, we will look back to this day and remember the parable of the sower. And how on this day we became a Christian. We put our faith in Jesus. We accepted the seed from the sower's hand, from your son Jesus. Or this would be the day that we got back up off our faces. And even though we've been knocked down many times, we went after that rock again. Whoever we have to talk to, bring that person to our heart and mind that we could find someone to help us. Whatever's there, we would not just let it kill us spiritually, but we would dig it up and we would destroy it through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name.